1: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today, joined by Adam Jones and Sam Carroll, as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. And those talking points have come to us from you guys today. We asked for questions, and you have dutifully provided us with some crackers. So, without further ado, we will get straight into them. the Chicago Evertonians, chaps. Interested in your take on reports that Hummel knows the depth of Everton's support in the US and the potential for that market. I know it's something Sam's written about in the past, but I'll, I'll add, uh, I think the question was directed to you specifically. Um, mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that as a, as a potential growth market for the football club and, and where Hummel might sit with that?
2: Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I think it's something that we've talked about for the last few years, that Everton maybe should be uh, prioritise and expanding the international market that little bit more, and maybe pri- uh, prioritise the American market in particular, especially you know with the likes of you know, Tim Howard and Landon Donovan etc. cetera, who've played for Everton in the past. And you know it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. The Hummel maybe have looked at that market and thought, yeah, we can we can attack that. There's a, a really loyal fan base over in America already for Everton. So it it seems to me like it would be you know a, a, and 2 plus 2 makes 4 sort of situation. Just, you know, try and expand that market as much as possible. Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd agree. I think, you know, it, it's probably played in their thoughts. Mm. Sam, um,
1: of course, any thoughts of pre-season tours and trips out the window, of course, at this point, And, you know, I think pre-season could be condensed in probably like a three-week period. But looking ahead, maybe next summer and, and, and touch wood and heaven forbid we're through this and... and out of this crisis, and there's vaccines, etc., and, and means we can go back to some some normality. Could you foresee a, a pre-season trip to America? But of course, it's not difficulties in all of these pre-season trips that you have got internationals, and do you have your best players with you available? Are they worthwhile and and, and so forth?
0: I think Carlos said, didn't he have after- to? Tom Davis and Dominic Calvert-Lewin went to New York. He'd like to be involved in, <laughs> okay. in the state. so you know I think that could could be on there. It's, obviously, there's a, a lot of things that that go with it. Uh, I know that I think after that, that piece that you mentioned that I wrote last year, I think Everton did mention that they are looking to kind of uh, you know do work with with, with fan kind of centres in the states and you know even in Adams Everton the community PCT the you know, Everton in the community and and Everton do like to branch out and help supporters worldwide. So if that, if that played into Hummels thinking, then certainly. But in terms of preseason tours, it's, I think it'd be quite interesting, wouldn't it? I don't know if any of you know, but where Carlo Ancelotti is historically kind of favoured to to take his teams over preseason, But we haven't been there now for, what, over a decade to America and and they are always uh, good fun seemingly. And, I think they'd be good for for team bonding as well. So as you're saying, Phil, if we're we're out of that, then I'd be all for uh, a summer, an an unbroken summer, I think it'd have to be. I'd like to see us go to one where we didn't have a Euros or a World Cup kind of clogging it up, which now is going to be, what, three years down the line? So it could be later rather than than, than sooner with that yet. So Mm. in the next couple of seasons. But I think there's, there's, there's potential, isn't there? Certainly now with social media, it's, a lot easier to see how fanatic some of those kind of abroad, uh, sorry, American and, and even further abroad Everton supporters are. You know, I think I think we had the the Toffee podcast, the US Toffee podcast, live the the studio a few months back, and, and and they were a great set of lads. And, and there is a few others who, who do get involved certainly on Twitter as well. So it'd be great to cat for for them to be able to to see certainly this current team and, and Carlo Ancelotti in, in action. That's certainly something that I could see. Materialize and in this cuddling climate. I think we think the lads will be lucky to might just have to do with Finch Farm, certainly this pre season, for, <laughs> for the couldn't setup.
1: Yeah, indeed. Okay, moving on. Um, okay, uh, bit dub 1878 four key positions to buy this summer, and who? <sighs>
2: um, <laughs> God, where'd you start? Uh, I think right back is probably the most pressing sort of situation that. Everton need to try and sort out, and you know you can take your pick of about four or five options really for who might be Everton starting right back next season. You know you've got Sidibe, Coleman, Kenny. You know maybe maybe even uh, another signing coming in over the summer. You know you just don't know. Uh, so I'd say that's that's an important position. I'd say centre back is another important position. Like whereas you know we've had Mason Holgate do really well this season, and that's been great to see, but. We do still need four senior options in that area. Now, whether we we'll see Lewis Gibson step up or not after his loan moves yet to be seen, but I'd, I'd still say you know signing in that position probably is going to be the better way to go. Uh, center midfielder, I'd say we need we need cover in center midfield, especially if we're going to be sticking with this four four two system. I still have my doubts about whether this four four two system is going to be right for the current squad. So either we need to sign players who are going to fit into that four-four-two system better, or we're going to have to try and adapt the formation. I think either way, we're probably going to need another central midfielder to try and advance us in that area, and then pff, take your pick. Maybe a maybe a winger, maybe a goalkeeper. You know, as we've discussed on this pod in the past, in in the past few weeks in particular as well. You know, the goalkeeper situation is a really interesting one. You know, because we want competition for Pickford. Obviously, but, you know, we've still got Martin Stecklenberg's situation up in the air. Looks like he's going to be actually leaving at the end of this season. Uh, Jonas Losel's situation is going to be up in the air. And, you know, he's going to want game time ahead of the Euros next summer. So perhaps another loan move could be in the offing for him if he wants to get as much game time as he thinks he requires. So, you know, perhaps we might need another goalkeeper to try and push Jordan Pickford. So, yeah, I think those are probably the four positions that I'd go for. Sam, Go on, mate. Go on, pal.
0: The, the, the two that we absolutely have to get, I, you know, if, if transfers are a possibility, this we have to get a centre-back and we have to get a centre-mid. I think they're two positions where, when we're going into these games, you know, even, I know it seems like years and years ago now, but that game against Chelsea, you know, you think Billy Gilmore was running the sh- the show in centre-mid for Chelsea, and how old is he? 12, 13, and, and badly, <laughs> we badly struggled with that, so... We we need a we need a centre mid, uh, and we need a centre back. I, I do like the look of Gabriel from from the li- very limited, admittedly, uh, clips I've seen of him. Uh, I think he would be a very very solid addition. So they they're the two that I absolutely think hundred percent we cannot yeah. go into the new season without them too. And then I think Adam's touched on right back at the end. Of the day, if it, if it comes down to it with the current climate and we can only kind of prioritize, I would. Prioritize. I think Seamus Coleman, dependable. You will eke another season out of the couldn't Seamus Coleman. We know he's not the Seamus Coleman of old. And if we absolutely had to, if we couldn't sign anyone, and Kenny comes back, then I think you know last Saturday aside where the whole Schalke team struggled, I think he's shown that you know he can be a dependable option in in, in, a, in top flight football. And he's shown that at Everton as well, in fairness. So I'd be comfortable with that. Uh, but again, if we can a right back as well, I think another winger. We probably need another winger. And then as Adam said, you know, a, a goalkeeper will prob. our hand might be forced. But I think really I'd, I'd be aiming for one centre-back, two centre-midfielders, a right-back and a winger, which shows you the scale of the task. And I don't think in the current climbing you can do that. So, you know, it's 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 going to be difficult this summer because as much as we can sit here ideally and talk about incomings, you, you're going to have players who at the moment Carlo might be saying to, Marcel Brands, I don't really fancy him. Can can we move him on? Can we, you know, lads might be knocking on the door and saying, you know, look, I've done my time here. I think it's time for something new. So on top of that, we might even get new positions where we, we have to replace kind of things. So, yeah, but definitely that spine of the team. I think, you know, you've got Pickford in goal, who I still have great faith in, and then you've got Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison up top. Then you have got your Andre Gomez, you know, Hol- Holgate came out, but we now need to start kind of fitting those jigsaw pieces around them kind of centrally, you know, it's horrible to admit, but, you know, you even look at how much Liverpool changed after they the, the signed Virgil van Dijk, you know, you look at City when they got Laporte and and signings like that, you know, that's fine, the team's just so important and and it's something that we don't at the moment.
1: Um, yeah, and, and as as, uh, as Sam rightly says there, if transfers are possible, because we really don't know as, at this stage how the... Uh, budgets of all clubs but of course stars in particular will look and, and 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 how things have changed because of the crisis and, and of course you know tv money having to be repaid etc etc um a question i've just thought of then on the same topic so thanks uh bit 78 for that one very quickly in the ongoing um pursuit to trim the squad and who are the four players everton need to prioritize getting off the wage bill this summer then
2: Aside from the ones that are already getting released, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, God, it's a tough question, isn't it? Uh, I'd say Sandra Ramirez is probably uh, the priority because of just how much wages he is on a week. And uh, you know, his loan move at Valladolid this time around has at least been better than his other two loan moves. So you know, maybe there's a little bit more hope this time that we might be able to find him a permanent move. I think. You know, he'd still need to take a massive wage cut to make that happen. But, you know, th- hopefully there's going to be uh, a little bit more positive news on that front. Uh, Yannick Balassie is probably another one. You know, I, I just can't see a situation where Yannick Balassie is just going to going to get back into the Everton side at the minute. Uh, you know, he's another who's had a few loan spells. So, you know, a year left on his contract, I think he has. Maybe yeah. getting him out the door is prob- uh, probably... Going to be a priority. Does Mohamed Besic still have a year to go on his yeah. contract? Totally yeah, that's, uh, even you know, Sam's mentions the issues that we've got in central midfield, and you know, I've said you know we need to change the way we think about central midfield in the future. But even in that case, I just still can't see Besic getting into the side. Uh, you know, he's done all right at Sheffield United, but he hasn't exactly pulled up trees in a squad that's you know done really, really well this season. So. Yeah, it wouldn't be surprised to me to see him moved on, and then pff,
1: that's what else have we got? Go on then, Sam. You take it over. Any anybody else you think's a priority to to, to try and get rid of this summer?
0: But as much as I didn't think I'd, I'd be saying it, kind of this time, twelve months ago when he was arguably our best player under on, on Silver and a reinvigorated player under Silver, I think it's time for for Gilfie, for Gilfie Sigurdsson to go. I think you know, I know, I know. Preno has been a fan on the podcast of him as well, and and, and he is a. He's a boss footballer, and, and, and I like his style of play, but I think he has just kind of shown, since he signed, really, that when the goings got tough, sometimes it's it, it felt like his mentality hasn't quite been up to that uh, for, for whatever reason. I'm not quite sure, but, you know, we signed him to be a difference maker, and, and I'd argue that maybe in his first couple of seasons he, he did do that, especially last season when he, when he was doing top scorer, but I feel like there's times this season when, you know, I'll give him his due, that he, he's been put into a position where, OK, you could argue that he's played for Iceland, but he's never kind of played that consistently in the Premier League. When Everton's back's been to the wall, when form's been down, when confidence's been down, when a manager's been getting changed, when we've been in the region zone, but he just hasn't shown that, that kind of fight and that kind of passion that I, I think I want to see out of a player and, and take his price tag out of it because, you know, he hasn't asked to be a £40 million pound player and, and he hasn't asked to be paid money he's on, you know, I can forgive him that, but I, I can't forgive, kind of, some of the performances that maybe he's put in just ju- on on too many occasions this season, and I think, I think it just makes sense at this point, I think a team abroad, whether it's, you know, even MLS, China now, will probably be able to get a player of his ilk for, what, 10, 15, 20 million, which, for what he does possess, is you know, and as he showed maybe against West Ham this season, as he's shown on several occasions, in a, in a blue shirt, he can he can pull something out or not, and I think he'd be a steal for the, for the foreign league. But I think it's time now. He he, he doesn't fit the four four two. He doesn't kind of fit the profile. I don't think of players that Carlo Ancelotti might want to work with next season. So I think it, it it it's just one that makes sense. And again, there'd be no massive hard feelings from me or anything like that. I think it would just be time for him to move on. So I think he's the one out of the couldn't maybe first team squad. You know, when you you look aside from the outcasts that I'd probably like to see us cash in on. And, you know, as as Adam said, that this summer it's not just about fantasy football, thinking, oh, we get 10 mil for him and we can reinvest it. You know, it's the wages that are going out every single week for him that I think personally at this moment in time, uh, and with the signings Marcel Brands has made so far, I think personally could be reinvested better in in, in the cutting clanger
1: mm. I would chuck in... Uh... Jenk Tosin into that one, and, uh, uh, yeah. as, as much okay. as he's, his attitude appears to be exemplary, and, and you know, I think he's very well liked member of the squad, and, and has appeared to be determined to make it work. Uh, I just think maybe, if we, if possible, you know, a, a passing of ways permanently would be ideal. But of course, that's difficult given he's injured at the moment. But uh, but let's see. Okay, moving on. Goodison uh, Ten. Do you think Adrian Rabio would be a good signing for Everton?
2: Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 do. I do. I just don't think you, you can't really turn your nose up for players of that quality, can you? You know, he's a, he is a Champions League quality uh, sort of player. And it was interesting. You know, we had a piece go up on the site the other day from David Hughes, didn't we? You know, looking into him tactically, and he suggested that maybe he may might be able to convert himself into a more defensive-minded sort of midfielder with the kind of numbers that he's been putting in and I think that would probably be the perfect sort of scenario for Everton because the one concern that I did have was that maybe him and Andre Gomez wouldn't necessarily work together because the way that they've been playing has been a very similar sort of, you know, pick the ball up, link up sort of play, be a creative force uh, going forward sort of thing. But if Rabiot was able to modify himself into a more defensive kind of midfielder, I think, you know, the the chemistry that he could have with Gomez, you know, some of the use as good defensively as he is on the ball and being able to link up play. I think that could be a perfect sort of scenario. And, you know, I get that people have questions about his attitude and stuff like that. But, you know, if if, if, the, if the club thinks he, think he's a right fit, then I'd have, I'd have to agree that you just can't turn down a player of that sort of quality, especially when you've got the aims that Everton have got. You know, we want to be winning trophies. We want to be qualifying for Europe. You know, these are the kind of players that you need to be Targeting at the end of the day, so I'd, I'd be very happy if Rabiot was to join Everton.
0: I think it's mentality as well. You know, you bring someone like that in, and uh, again, like I've not seen a lot of uh, of Rabiot, but is he the kind of player who's going to be phased by going to Old Trafford, to Anfield, to the Etihad, to to, to Stamford Bridge? You know, probably not because he, he's played in these in these big games before, and I think that's what we need more of. You know, to, to again to go back to that Chelsea game, I just felt like you watched it and I remember, and I think we all said, I think you two who were there, you even wrote it on our our live blog, you know, from the first five minutes, you knew everyone was going to get battered because there was, you were just watching players just run around like headless chickens and there was no one there who you just felt was just going to get on the ball and say, right, let's calm this down. Now it's been a bit of a a crazy start. I'm going to get my foot on the ball. And, and, you know, almost someone like Gareth Barry, you know, I know, again, we we brought Barry in and and we didn't win any trophies, but it always just kind of felt like certainly in, in those first couple of seasons he just calmed things down because he, he'd been there and he'd done that and he had that that mentality and i think that's what someone like him could bring and hopefully carlo can bring in a couple more players where you know lads like lucas dean and, and yeri mina andre gomez who, who've kind of played with these top players at, at barcelona are kind of looking and going hang on you know this this lad is a top player and then other lads you know younger lads are going. Plus, I can't believe we've signed him. You know that—that that is what we need to start aspiring to do. And you know, probably a, a few question marks over over Rabiot's attitude. But you know, if, if you can't work under a manager like Carlo Ancelotti, then you're not going to go far in, in football, are you? So you know, it'd be really interesting to see if if we did get him in, if the rumours are true, what what he would kind of bring to the to the squad.
1: I was going to say, you know, any any red flags as you both mentioned though, over sort of potential for. Don't know the lad but attitude or character I mean he doesn't his name seems to be in the rumor mills in various countries on a daily basis. that always makes me a little bit nervous um any concerns with that
0: interesting to to kind of see i think in in terms of that because that would be a worry and I think that also leads into now you know one of the most interesting kind of subplots for the next three to four months if if football comes back and, and gets finished to also see. What kind of happens with with Moise Keane, isn't it? After after everything that's gone down over over lockdown, and really kind of see now how Everton, how Marcel Brands, how Carlo Ancelotti, how everyone in that backroom team can work with his attitude that has seemingly kind of fell short on a on a couple of occasions. While at Everton, and, and again, you know that would obviously be the challenge if someone like Rabio came in. Can you can you bring him into a squad which, for all accounts, you know, seems to be a squad of of genuinely nice, uh, down to earth fellas? Can, can they mould that to, you know, this kind of, this Everton mentality, to the people's club mentality, but also to, you know, one of the main reasons we brought Carlo in, to, to also then add a, a win we've been desperately lacking now for, as people have mentioned this week, for 25 years that we need to get back. So that would obviously be a woody, but I think, as I've just said, Carlo Ancelotti's got to be the man to, to be able to iron out any kind of
2: flaws in anyone's personality, hasn't he? Well, I think Carlo's a key factor, isn't he? Because, you know, we've we've spoken multiple times on this podcast since Carlo joined about how good a man manager he is. And, you know, so many of his ex-players talk about having a phenomenal relationship with him as a man rather than just as a manager. So, you know, Rabio's still, you know, a young lad. You know, the rest of his career, you know, over the last few years especially just speaks to me as somebody who's looking for that place to finally settle down and, you know, mature as a player and, you know, develop himself. And, you know, if Carlo Ancelotti can hone in on that aspect of his game and, you know, can establish the kind of relationship that he has with other players in the past, then, you know, we could have a phenomenal player on our hands, you know, any club could have a phenomenal player on their hands, whoever, whoever would manage to get hold of Rabiot. And I think that's maybe the key that Ancelotti brings to Everton. And it's not just the, the, you know, the obvious pull that he would have in getting players here. It's the amount of work that he will do on and off the pitch with them when when they are here as well. So that could be key in the future.
1: Probably just worth mentioning that when his name was linked uh, with us in January, we did check it out and we were told that there was nothing in it at that stage. So let's see if, uh, if anything has changed on that front. Uh, just Sam Mason, oh, going back to something Sam you mentioned earlier, Sam, what do you? What did you make of Kenny's performance last weekend? Does he have a future at Everton?
0: Um, it, was, it was obviously it was exciting, wasn't it? To first of all sit down and, and watch a bit of bit of footy again, and you know a lot of Evertonians were watching for, for John Jordan performances, but you know uh, you're not going to sit here and talk about a, la- a ninety minute performance when the ladders as for the whole impressed, you know, for Schalke, and I think he got nominated, didn't he, for a couple of like young player of the month awards in the first couple of series. And you know, Schalke have took a couple of batterons, but the young and, and developing team, probably with a with a young and developing manager and David Wagner as well. Um, so you know that happens. I think you know anyone who wants to start sitting there and go, oh, he's never going to be good enough because I've just watched them on BT Sport for this one game. You know, it's you can't do it, can you? So. I generally, I like John Joe, you know, I've watched John Joe since he was first breaking into the under-23s team um, and, and he did always catch the eye, you know, and I, and I do think that how can someone not benefit from going and playing a full season of, of Bundesliga football and to be honest, I do think that because, you know, un, unless you are a massive Bundesliga fan with this kind of time on your hands, not many Everton fans must be able to say they've sat down and watched John Joe Kenny play every week for 90 minutes and I would maybe like to see him come back and, and just be given that opportunity and, and maybe for Carlo to run his own eye over him and for Marcel to run another uh, eye over him and, and then make a decision, you know even if that's only for pre-season or for a summer or for half a season, just just to see how this loan has benefited because we've never seen a loan move really like this. In, in Everton, if we were a young, developing prospect that's gone out to a P&T team, so it, John Joe will probably be, have been disappointed with... His performance, but he was certainly not the worst on that Schalke team by any stretch of the imagination. I think from from what we've seen and from what we've heard, from what we've seen David Wagner talk about how you know Schalke would like to kind of sign him if it wasn't for financial restraints. Then it points towards him having a, a positive season. And I think really we, we can only judge we can only be a judge with our own eyes. Or again, day, if this season he is moved on for for a decent fee, then you've got to trust the process because. All the feedback that Everton have, have got as a club these days will just be massive compared to, you know, what we can take from ninety minutes. And at the end of the day, if Marcel Brands makes that decision to move him on, then I'd trust in that. And if Marcel Brands makes the decision to bring him back and, and start him first game of next season, whenever that may be, then I'll trust in that as well. And I think that's all we can do because I think John Joe's just been so sensible as well. You know, any anytime I've seen him speak on his future, that's just always been the same, hasn't it? You know, I'm here, I'm a Chalker. I want to focus on this and I've been really impressed by that there's been no kind of touting himself in the shop window there's been no kicking off there's he has just been a, a contribute professional and for a young lad from liverpool so young in his career to be going to a foreign country where, where he doesn't speak the language and to have handled himself in in that manner i think just points not only to a to a top uh, a top lad but a, a top professional as well
1: adam did you watch him um, last weekend
2: i did yeah yeah uh it, it's hard, really, isn't it? I don't think you can you can really judge him on that sort of performance at all. I think you can't really judge Schalke at all, really. I think that essentially Dortmund just have better quality players and they're a better quality team. You know that's why they're pushing Bayern Munich all the way this season for the for the title once again. And you know, especially in a behind closed doors setting, that was always just going to be amplified that little bit more. You know, when you haven't got. You know, I know it was at Dortmund Stadium anyway, but you know when you haven't got away fans even behind you, then you know it, it becomes that little bit tougher for Schalke to try and overcome that a uh, you know quite quite large golfing quality as it turned out. So yeah, it, it it's really hard to judge John Joe's performance, but you know I, I did see a lot, especially in the first half, I did see a lot of positives. You know you could you could certainly see the way that David Wagner wanted his fullbacks to be playing, and John Joe was obviously a huge part of that down the right flank. there were a number of times when he was bombing up that right flank he got himself into good positions in the final third and what 's good is he, he was getting his head he wasn 't just chucking a random ball into the box he was getting his head up, picking out a man, and making sure that the ball got there so that's that's the thing that i'd rather be focusing on rather than you know the result or anything like that you know it's those like positive little snippets where he's clearly bought into the way that Wagner wants to set up his team and you know, Wagner set up his team in a way that is going to benefit John Joe Kenny massively. So, I think those are the type of positive aspects that you need to focus on, even in a you know a team performance like that one. And as Sam said, you know, he over the course of this season he has been an absolute consummate professional. You know, he's moved over to Germany. He's really bought into learning the language, uh, and you know, he's settled in so well at Schalke, and it's it is so great to see. You know, him performance so well over there and you know seemingly enjoying his football so much over there as well so yeah i, I agree with sam i'd love to see him given a chance especially you know i'd love to see carlo have a proper look at him at least uh, over the course of the summer and you know whatever pre-season we might have etc yeah i'd love i'd love to see him given another chance and i, I wouldn't i wouldn't focus too much on that uh, on that performance mm-hmm. at the weekend the
1: royal blue podcast from the liverpool echo Moving on, uh, questions coming from Mike Sullivan. Uh, Mike, before we ask your question, uh, Wednesday's pod did do a little bit more in-depth on Hummel, but we're still we're still going to uh, address your question. What do you boys think of the new Hummel deal? I'm excited that we're going to hopefully have a unique kit in the Premier League. Also, can we all agree that it's time to have a non-alcoholic or betting sponsor so the kids can have the exact same shirts as the heroes on the pitch? Good point, Mike. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I yeah, that, 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 that think... We went into the Hummel deal, didn't we, in, in the last podcast, which is which is great. And, and as Adam pointed out, fans rightly excited to have a, a personalised kit that isn't just kind of as people have pointed out in the past, past copy and pasted. Uh, sponsors is a tough one, isn't it? Because obviously, on the one hand, I would love to see Everton. You know, I think we had a kit this season that was just a, an Everton in the community kind of one-off sponsor kit, and, and all fans would agree that would be great to have that for, for the rest of the club's history because of the, the great work that was off the field. But at the same time, you know, it's also, you, you feel sorry for Everton because they also have to, it's a business at the end of the day and, and these can be lucrative opportunities, can't they? But I think we can all agree that certainly Sport just just didn't work out for a number of reasons. I think there was too much going on. You know, I, I know there was a little bit of kind of stuff going on, wasn't there, in Kenya and, and people weren't too happy there. And there was also... You know, they they seemingly added in for us on Twitter a couple of times, which was <laughs> which was bizarre. You know, bizarre and just real kind of PR on goals that just didn't sit right with with anyone. And, and and I think must have surely left some people having fuming. You know, this is the sponsor that goes is broadcast globally around the world, and you know, so it would be nice and, and totally agree with that point. The say, you know, when you are growing up as a kid, you want to wear your your Everton kit the same as as the lads on the pitch, don't you? So. Wouldn't it be great to find a nice sponsor that puts us up there where we belong in, in the financial tables uh, alongside, you know, pushing up there with the, with the other top six and at the same time a sponsor that everyone can, can have and, and and is a well-respected company across across England or wherever that may be from globally because I think that would be a perfect kind of meet in the middle. But certainly, you know, if the right sponsor isn't out there, I, I wouldn't be against a, a season of Everton in the community as well because I thought that shit looked great this season.
2: Uh, Art, any, uh,
1: any, anything to add on that?
2: No, I, I think Sam's completely right. I think in an ideal world, we'd love to have uh, the kind of sponsor that can go on everybody's shirts because, you know, as Sam rightly says, you know, when you're growing up and you get yourself an effort and kit, you're playing around in your backyard and you're wanting to be your favourite players, and, you know, having the same sponsor on the front of the shirt I would make a huge difference. So, yeah, it, it would be great in an ideal world to have that, but as Sam also rightly says, it, it's a very lucrative market you know there's Everton have got to think of themselves as a business at the end of the day and these sorts of things especially with the financial situation as it currently stands so you know whether that might be possible or not you know we'll we'll have to wait and see uh what opportunities come up and then yeah you know, as 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 we've discussed before in in terms of hummel it, it is really nice to think about Everton having a a unique kit uh that's specifically developed for them and it, it was interesting i've been speaking to a journalist from Middlesbrough today, who uh, they've had Hummel for the last two years after having nine years of Adidas. And he said they instantly came in and they've, you know, in, instantly bought into the club's history. They've uh, specifically designed kits that hail back to, you know, iconic Borough kits of the past. So, you know, it'd be very, really interesting to see uh, whether Hummel do similar with Everton and, you know, to see what kinds of uh, iconic sort of retro kits that they might go for.
1: Moving on, uh, we're uh, we're going through these at a good pace, chaps. Uh, Peter James Needham, would be good to hear from you guys how you think the COVID-19 may affect the Bramley Mall project, both in terms of the logistics of construction and in the design. Basically, it's not peak time to build a stadium putting 50,000 people together. Um, Certainly not, although I'd hope by 2023, uh, we've uh, seen the back of this, or certainly, uh, as we said earlier, in a position where there's vaccines and we can control it like... Like any other sort of uh, flu-type disease, um, ju- just our understanding as um, as of a couple of weeks ago, when we did we did ask about this, the uh, planning process in terms of the determination of the planning application is still on course as far as we can understand with the council, and again in the summer, possibly July, end of July, maybe maybe into August. That's likely to have a decision uh, as expected. Um, in terms of financing, the club have said they remain in, in conversations with potential um, funders. That's still ongoing. There, there doesn't seem to be, at this stage, any concern within the football club about about getting the uh, the capital together to, to help fund this half-a-billion-pound project. And, of course, in terms of logistics of the construction, again, the club said three, four five weeks ago what it was that they were still working and finalising on a, a final construction timetable with Lango Rourke. Who will, who will be building it. So I think from that point of view, uh, Peter, there doesn't seem to have been any, any major disruption caused by the, uh, the crisis. Um, although I can understand, you know, can understand why the, the question will be posed and we have asked that question ourselves. Um, new question, Jake Marley. If you could introduce one new rule to the Premier League to improve it or punish, stop something that currently annoys you, what would it be? i'd get rid of var but what about you guys
2: (laughs) does it have to be something on the pitch go on can i can i can i ban the use of commentators using the phrase oh that ball's really moved when a ball like curls curls in a certain way of course it's moved somebody's just booted it really hard. like that is my most that is my most hated phrase in football and I'd i'd love to i'd love to see that banned. to be honest
0: any any rule that you'd want to see the back of Tough one, isn't it? Try to put me on. Jake Marley has definitely put me on the spot. And now that you've took VAR, which I think we'd we'd all have. Uh,
1: long. long- what about, What about? Um, I don't know. Diving should be uh, an immediate red card. I don't know. There you go. There's one. <laughs>
0: No, because remember when he brought that last diving thing in? and It just seemed like we were the only team that got punished for it, and then we well, yeah. just got naturally. Players sent off first week, and then they get rid of it. Naturally, <laughs> if, if,
1: if, they, if they brought uh, diving in in red card, Umani Ash would still be at the club, and he'd be the first one to be punished for <laughs> it, wouldn't he? <laughs> um,
0: Joe, you know one I, I I have always thought of, which I reckon would be good, that you'd always I hate like the extra time thing. I think they should do what they do in rugby, where when the ball goes out of play bang timer stops and then you nice. just play to 90 minutes just kind of get rid of all the that shouldn't have been six minutes added on or that was over six minutes do you know what i mean it would just be a lot we must have the technology to, to kind of do that now i think that would sort out a few controversies
2: yeah i think the problem that i see with that though is i'm sure i've seen loads of statistics about like how how often the ball is actually in play in certain matches I'm sure That's it's only in, so, it's only in play for like 43 minutes across oh, the like whole yeah, ninety, it's, isn't it? Yeah, it's if we we yeah. we'd be there for as long as an American football game if we did that. <laughs> yeah, four hours, wouldn't
1: they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, good question, Jake. Thanks for that, pal. Martin Jameson: Is Ancelotti better placed to develop and play a system which works with the players and skills that are there today, or attempt to play the system he wants to play and try and train our players to adapt to that? So it, it's basically Tricarlo. Uh, use the system to suit the players, or are the players needed to suit the system?
2: I think, I think it goes back to what I was saying before about the midfield. I just don't think I personally don't think 442 will be the be all and end all sort of solution for this for this squad. I think it's it's been a, a really good stock gap for this uh, for this end of the season, and I think it was a necessary change to be brought in and it obviously improved things on the pitch. Uh, but I, ju- I just don't see in the long term how that's going to be uh, possible with the players that we've currently got. So yeah, I, I think essentially Carlo has to choose a system now, whether that's four four two or whether it's like four three 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 five two, whatever, whatever he wants to do. He need, I think he, do, he does need to like settle on a, a, a an overarching sort of system. You know, I don't, I don't want us to be sort of rigid into playing. We only play this way, and this is this is how it's going to be. I do think it needs to be adaptable in some ways, but over and an overarching sort of formation, I think he needs to decide upon. And then I think he does need to buy the players to fit that sort of that sort of system, because as soon as you're trying to fit square pegs into round holes, essentially with players and, you know, trying to buy a player and then try and mould a system around them. I just don't think that works. And I think, you know, that's a problem that we've had in the past uh, couple of transfer windows with Everton. So I'd like to try and maybe move away from that and maybe just try and focus on buying players for a set system. And I think that might uh, work best for us in the long run. Sam? Sam's are Sam Sam's too He's gone. He's gone.
1: <laughs> Absolutely dumbstruck by that question. Okay. Uh, John Waldo had, best guesses, theories about the transfer window and Wenger's FFP ideas. Forgive me, I'm not up to speed with Wenger's FFP ideas. Ad. While
2: I uh, try and work out what that is, do you have any idea? I, I can't say I am, I am up to speed with Wenger's financial fair play ideas. To be honest. Uh, but, uh, okay.
1: disillusioned Arsene Wenger calls for an end to FFP in major U-turn. Oh, has lost faith in one of the guiding principles called uh, Calls for it to be scrapped. Well, what, it has come under some severe scrutiny, and it does uh, it does appear to be flawed in many respects. I think my issue actually was is with the Premier League profit and sustainability ones, which set a, a, a three year figure of losses at 105 million pounds. But that figure was set too long ago, and it, that that for me needs to be changed. And perhaps FFP on similar reasons. Maybe that's why Wenger and others are calling for it to be uh, to be uh, scrapped.
2: Well, you could only presume that that was. Hugely benefit Everton if that if that was to be the case, and I think yeah in terms of if if FFP was to be scrapped, then you'd surely presume that the Premier League's profits and sustainability sort of scheme would also be scrapped in a similar sort of sense, because mm. I just don't I, I don't know why they'd have one rule for one and then another rule for you know teams who would in Europe etc. So yeah, I, I think that'd be a huge benefit to Everton. To be honest, if they, if those Kind of rules were to come in place because you know I, I don't think it'd lead to you know we're instantly going to be splashing yeah. 50, 60, 70 million on players. I think it would just it just take a little bit of a weight off the shoulders, wouldn't it? And it, it would you know raise that little bu- that buffer a little bit more, and it would essentially, if if nothing else, be a little bit of a clean slate almost for Marcel Brands to go right. Okay, these are the players that I want. This is these are still affordable uh, players in the long run. And uh, we can have a go at it without having to worry about uh, the spending mistakes, let's say, mm. uh, of the of the past few years. So yeah, I think that'd be a huge benefit. Yeah, Sam, you back with us now, pal?
0: I don't know. I I could still see you. It was like it was like I died. And I I was like seeing you and like the like a ghost. I was like, I mean, just yeah. Like Sam's gone. I was, was given the great answer. By the way, that was my best answer to the podcast. That
1: one. No, we'll never, it, uh, yeah. we'll never oh. hear it. Uh, Jake Marley then Sam Jake Marley uh, has come back in with another good question do, Due to the increased uncertainty Around the transfer window and finances This year, do you think any of our in Inverticom's first team players Out on loan could play a part for Ancelotti Tosin, Besic, Balassi, Losel, Sandro, Kenny Dowell, I mean we've mentioned a couple of those um, What about, what well, hasn't been Mentioned Sam, Dowell do you, think, do you think he's got a future, I think he's coming into The last 12 months of his deal at Everton, could you see a way back for Kieran?
0: Again, like Jonjo, you know, another player who, you know, I've seen since he was he was coming through, and I, I think he he's he's an amazing footballer. But I think just for Kieran now, it it's fair to to move him on. I, I think it's twelve months left. Could probably command a small fee. Um, and unless Carlo Ancelotti is going, wow! Like I think I could get a player out of this lad, get a tune out of this lad, get him a new deal, and, and I want him in my in and around the first team squad. I think it's just un- unfair to have to have a, a young lad with so much potential out, out on loan again. I think um, pro- probably time now for him to move on because you know he's twenty one, twenty two. There'll be a championship club out there waiting to to snap him up. He showed he can do it with Nottingham Forest. Obviously, had a had a tough time at, at Derby and, you know, I was, was unfortunate with a few injuries at Wigan before the the season was kind of suspended. So, you know, for, from all those players you've just mentioned, I think the, the short answer, you know, aside from John Joe Kenny, who's the one with a question mark over him, I think the short answer is probably no. Um, un- Unfortunately, unless the, there's a kind of thing brought in that teams don't spend money for a, a, a window because of everything that's got gone, then I'd probably get, say, all right, lads like Keenan, we probably would need them. But, at the moment, you know, you look at him and and Callum Connolly uh, Benny Beningamy, Pennington as well, you know, I think it's best to just move all these lads on now and give them a real crack at the whip at their own careers while we can still command a small fee for them, you know, in modern day football and I'm sure there's clauses you can have in t- to you know, sell on clauses and profit clauses that, you know, look, if in two or three years Keaton Dahl's the next best thing in the championship and someone buys him for £20 million, then so that for, for ever team news player, but for me, I on a, on a even, I I personally don't think these lads can come in now and and add anything that we we don't already probably have in a short amount of time. I think they'd still need developing. So I think it will probably be time for for Keaton to to go and kind of broaden his horizons elsewhere and settle down and show everyone how good he is. Because I think all three of us have probably been at under twenty three games over the last few years where he's been the best player on the pitch by. Ten country miles, and I think I seen him score from his his own half once against Leicester at Goodison. So you know he, he he's just got something in that left foot which not many other lads have, and and I, I'd love to see him go on and make a, a good career from him, himself on on a on an Evertonian level because he's he's a great lad off the pitch as well. Adam,
1: just just sticking with Kieran, I, I think my sort of disappointment with the whole Dalit uh, situation is is if you know if he does leave the football club. In the in the coming months, uh, you know, with twelve months of his, his deal left, it will that he will have left having only ever made I think it's two appearances in the Premier League, and that and they were in twenty sixteen. It just feels as though the system hasn't allowed him to be given a, a run of games at, at the right time for us to know fully if he was going to make it, and then. He's not the first, and he won't be the last person, unfortunately, He, he goes on loans and it and it doesn't work. And, and I think that would be my disappointment. How do you feel about Kieran?
2: Yeah, I, I, I'd have to feel the same way. And you, you know, you look back at that summer of twenty seventeen where we infamously signed three attacking midfielders, and you think to yourself, if we'd have if we'd have not done that, would Kieran Dowell have had a, a bit of a chance at some point uh, to maybe have a run in the team? You know, you you, you just don't know. Uh, he's been limited to my, mainly cup appearances, I think, as near the last couple of seasons. Whenever we've seen him in Everton shirt, yeah, he's done he's done okay. Uh, I seem to remember last season in the League Cup, he was played a little bit further back than uh, than, than we thought he might be. But it it, it it is such a hard situation with him because, as Sam says, he is he's. He's a football player with clearly so much quality, you know, the kind of deliveries that he can put in, put into the box, the kind of goals that he can score. You know, he's obviously a clearly very, very talented footballer. And, you know, if he'd have got the same sort of opportunities that maybe someone like Tom Davis had had uh, coming through the ranks, you know, ma- managing to force his way into the side and, you know, having a string of games put together, maybe he could have had you know, a sustainable event future like Tom has, but And loan moves are just so so hard sometimes, and you know, unfortunately, over the last couple of years, he has had uh, experiences of a couple of tough loan moves. So, yeah, it it is it is tough for him, and you know, I can't I can't really see how he's going to break himself into the Everton team again. Uh, But you know, he's still he's still going to be a fan. I still think he can make it as a Premier League player, uh, even like. You know, somewhere further down in the Premier League, I think he'd be a great sign, and I think he'd be a fantastic Championship player. So you know the future's still absolutely bright for him because he's got that kind of quality about him. But uh, yeah, it, I do agree. It is it is a bit of a shame that he's never managed to uh, to realise that at It's
0: Also, a warm for him that you know the the only chance he's had since those twenty sixteen appearances was forty five minutes in the Carabao Cup, and he got hauled off. And and I do remember around that time you had the usual you know people who've seen and playing it oh he's not good enough you know a young lad had a bad 45 minutes in in a number 10 position we, we've seen how many number 10s have a bad 45 minutes from, from your your de Bruyne's to your you know all, all these amazing players everyone does it and I really felt sorry for him then I think he was actually my first ever ever an interview after that Gorma higher game a few months later and, and even he said that it's not something that you usually hear uh, you know footy players say in this modern age but he, you know he said I, I, I'm frustrated that I haven't been given more opportunities, and I, and I think that really kind of sums Keane up. He's a lad who just wants to play football and and show how good he is. You know, it was brilliant to see, especially in the first half of that season at Nottingham Forest. The fans adored him. He scored goals. I think he scored eleven goals in the Championship that season. So, you know, there's as you're saying, Phil. I think there's definitely, and it's sad because he's a lad who's been at Everton since he was six, seven, eight years old. You know, there'll probably be a part of him when he does move on that that might think. Hang on, I, I wasn't given a fair crack of the whip there because of, okay. as Adam pointed out, there's times where, you know, we went and signed Davy Classen instead, we have went and signed Sandro <laughs> Ramirez instead, and you think your Keaton Dowles, your Connor Grants, your lads who've been in that position over the last few years, I think as an Evertonian, I'd rather just seen them given a an opportunity rather than, waste that thirty, forty million and more on wages that we did, but times. Hindsight, uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, isn't it? So, <laughs> <laughs> so something like
1: that, mate. Yeah. Um, final question, um, Mark Ovens, If you could re-sign one Everton player, past or present, to go in the current squad, who would it be?
2: <laughs> um, Lukaku. Lukaku. Lukaku's interesting, but I, I, I quite like. I personally quite like the uh, little dynamic that we've got going with rich Allison and Calvert Lewin at the minute. I'd maybe sign Peanut. See how see how he'd work with Luca Dean down that flank.
1: I mean, if uh, we're taking the, if we're taking this question to the extreme, I'd I'd sign Dixie Dean, but you know, oh, well. think, <laughs> but of course we've been you know yeah Peanut's a good one yeah yeah take that Sam.
0: Um, do you know what? Just because we've we've probably struggled, and I know it sounds like a mad one, but prime prime fellaini for those couple of years yeah. I think he'd just give us give us that little bit of bite in center mid and just miss having someone who was just audible just someone who would elbow people and just be audible to people and you know i think we, we we're a bit too nice sometimes and i think to just have him kind of at the base of a midfield and maybe jabaman might be that fellaini character so if he is i'd even throw out maybe like a prime lescott to, to sort of left side mm. the defender who is you know it, i i still think underrated from when he, first joined, when he first joined City his last couple of seasons Everton was I think one of the top five centre-halves in, in the Premier League he had it all didn't he, he scored goals big, strong, athletic you know I, I'd love to see a partnership like what him and Elkar had again over the next week this stand as well another outstanding player I thought Jordan so you from that money squad I would personally sell me whole family down the river to have back in the- <laughs> <laughs>
1: Tim Tim Cahill would always be on on that list for me as well, for for many of the reasons you've just spoke about there.
2: Address a guy, get him back. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) for a more recent one.
1: Absolutely, yeah. You talk about underrated players. I think, you know, a lot of us perhaps did not fully appreciate what we had. I think that's probably fair to say, isn't it?
2: Yeah, 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 100%.
1: Cracking. Well, some good questions there. Uh, thank you very much for submitting them. Um, and, you know, thank you very much for, for, t- for taking part in today's pub. You know, always, uh, always good fun and always interesting to, uh, to try and get our teeth stuck into your questions. So We will do it again very soon. So thank you very much for listening. To and Adam Sam, thank you very much for your company. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.